0: Welcome to By the Way, a podcast of Founders Christian School, where we aim to help you pursue a Christian education as you go, by the way. Well, uh, it's been a big week as far as news for education in Texas. Mr. Jones will be talking about what that means for us as we get to, when we get to the end of our show today. But we want to start out today uh, with just a a brief devotion. Um, We started this podcast really with the mindset of this is going to take place of our chapel services while we're apart and I, I really wanted to include some uh devotion time, uh maybe not every episode we do, at least on occasion, uh, to work through a passage and, and encourage our students to listen to it and think through it. So uh, that's how we're gonna start the show uh this morning and uh the passage that we'll be looking at uh comes out of first Samuel chapter two verses one through
1: ten. And Scott before you jump into that I, I would just say one thing I'm excited about is that even as we meet back together, uh, this may be something that we can do moving forward. Uh, I, I do a very brief devotional on what you cover in chapel, uh, similar to what we're doing now, uh, so that parents know what's being covered in chapel and we will have some talking points with their kids when they come home from chapel services, and I think that's something we can do moving forward that would be uh, helpful for our families. I think so. that's, a, that's a great idea. I'd, I'd love to do that.
0: Well, if you have a Bible, I, I do encourage you to open up the f- First Samuel chapter 2 and follow along. And what we have in this passage is a prayer. And it's a prayer of a woman who, uh, her name is Hannah. So Hannah was barren. She had a rival wife, Penina, who was provoking her to the point where she was weeping and not eating. And one year when they were at the temple, she was praying to God. Um, the priest Eli actually saw her. She he, he thought she was drunk because of the amount of emotion she had in her prayer. Um, and Um, found out why she was disappointed, upset, and um, ended up blessing her. And she she bore a son uh, that that year, and she named her son Samuel, which means heard of God. And as a response of God answering her prayer, Hannah uh, says another prayer, and that's the passage we're looking at today, which starts in chapter 2, verse 1. And I'm just going to read through this passage and comment as we go. So chapter 2, verse 1 and Hannah prayed and said my heart exults in the lord my horn is exalted in the lord my mouth derides my enemies because i rejoice in your salvation and right here we just see Hannah rejoicing in what the lord has done for her and and the rest of this will explain why so in verse 2 she says in her prayer there is none holy like the lord for there is none beside you there is no rock like our god Talk no more. So very proudly, let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. When I read verse two, I really thought about this secularizing trend I see in our culture right now. To, in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of of a time when people are really um, needing hope, and and they have anxiety about what's coming, we're uncertain. Um, there, there are livelihoods on, on the line, and um, we don't know exactly where to turn. In our culture today, I, I don't hear even our, our, our leaders mentioning any kind of return to God. Um, in fact, what you more hear about is a turn to science and a turn to the data and a turn to um, data
1: as our guiding light. Well, and in this case in particular, there are data that are in conflict with one another. So mm-hmm. if that's to be our guiding light. Which one should we follow,
0: right? And and what this verse is saying is, is, there's none holy like the Lord. There's none besides you. There is no rock like our God. And instead of looking to the government or to scientific data that is changing or conflicting, um, or corrupt, or corrupt, right? Um, that that we need to be looking to the Lord. There's none like Him. In fact, it's arrogance that speaks of something else. It's arrogance to say. Data is my guiding light instead of the Lord. And, and what I'm not saying is that we don't consider data. We don't, um, just like weather, we need to consider what the weatherman says, but we don't pray to the weatherman for good weather. Right. We don't put our hope in the weatherman. And that's what I feel like is happening in our culture right now with the coronavirus is we're putting our hope in the scientists instead of using scientific data to inform our decisions um, while we hope in the Lord. Yeah,
1: data is the human effort at interpreting reality when the the truth is we know the God of that reality. We know the God that explains that reality. And so some human interpretation of it may well be corrupt or erroneous or conflicting or what have you. There is no disunity in God. There is no corruption in God. And so this is why verse 2 says what it says. There is none holy like him. There is none beside him. There is no rock like him. And so any, uh, any human effort to explain these things is arrogant talk, and um, or, or potentially arrogant talk. If that's our if that if that's our rock, if that's what we're depending upon, that is arrogant.
0: Yeah, and, and it ties directly into these next two lines. Why is it arrogant? Well, it's because the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by Him the actions are weighed. So He is both the source of knowledge. He knows all things. He also, um, as we'll see in a minute, is is the judge over us and may even use something like this to reveal his judgments. Um, and we'll we'll see that in the next few verses. So, um, moving on to verse 4. What we see in these verse 4 and 5 is a, a great reversal uh, of status and, and power and might. So, verse 4 says, The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength those who are full have hired themselves out for bread but those who are hungry have ceased to hunger the barren has borne 7 but she who has many children is forlorn so again we have a great reversal right here of, of these these standards and and Hannah is speaking from her personal experience in this prayer especially when she talks about the barren woman um, and and the the woman who has many um, she's she's in a moment much like what she's describing right here where God has taken her from a lowly position and provided children for her. We, we might read that and think, wow, that's unfortunate for those who are in high positions that they had hard times strike them or something like that. Uh, the verse doesn't let us get to that conclusion to think that maybe they were just unlucky or had hard times. Um, verse six through eight is really what made me want to share this passage Um, in light of what we're going through right now. So verse 6 says, The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and on them he has set the world. So as as we think through what's going on right now, um this passage shows us exactly who is in charge, who we ought to be looking to, um and this isn't something that that has happened to us outside of the hand of God. Right? The the Lord is the one who kills, the Lord is the one who brings to life. He brings down and he raises up. He makes poor and he makes rich. He is sovereign over all of our circumstances that we're facing right now. And and not only does this clearly show us his sovereignty, uh, but our next few verses are going to show us a, a purpose for this. What, why is he bringing up and making great and bringing down low? Uh, Mr. Jones, did you have any uh, comments on, on those few verses uh, that
1: we just read? Not other than to reiterate what you've said about the the magnificence of of those verses verses 6 7 and 8 uh and boy if we're if we're looking for confidence in the middle of something like this that ought to give it to us right there that's the that's the god that we serve and um you know there's a there's a sense in which what's right for us to do is to rejoice that he does what seems good to him and and that he is good and so e- even in the midst of circumstances that are difficult for us to understand, we've we've got to be ready to uh, affirm his goodness. And so when we read verses like like these here, um, we understand that this is for his glory that that he does these things and uh, he is good and he is sovereign. And so there ought to be great confidence for us there. Um, but I know you've got some conclusions for us uh, as a result of those things here in in verses 9 and 10, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, so let's move on. Verse 9, uh, the conclusion to her prayer starts with with these words. Uh,
0: She says, He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. So in this we, we, we see a little bit more about what's happening in this rising and falling, on this exchange of, of positions, the exalting of the humble and the humbling of the exalted. Uh, what we see is that this is actually God's judgment on the wicked and on on the faithful. And what this really is pointing to is a final judgment that's going to happen for all of us. That if we humble ourselves and trust in the Lord as our rock through Christ, we will be exalted. Okay, this is just like what Jesus himself said, um, that everyone who exalts himself will be humble, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. So what happened with Hannah and her trust of the Lord is a small picture of what God intends to do for the, for the world to judge those who reject him and have pride and trust in their own strength and and to reject them, but to exalt those who have trusted in the Lord. And Hannah is a small picture of that. Uh, and, And then she ends with this phrase that he will one, he will judge the ends of the earth. So we know that judgment is coming, but then this phrase, he will give strength to his King and exalt the horn of his anointed. That anointed king is ultimately pointing towards Jesus Christ. This first Samuel is an introduction. Uh, well, first and second Samuel are where we uh, learn about the, the story of King David. and in his life, you have examples of this, exalting the, the lowly and, and bringing down the high. So um, probably the most famous example that, that most kids know is David and Goliath. You've got the mighty Goliath that God brings down and exalts. David, who's, who's just a shepherd boy that trusts in the Lord. And so you have this picture of, of God doing this and giving us glimpses of these things all throughout the scriptures, all throughout our lives and, and, and those moments where we're prideful and we get brought low. All those little things are pointing towards this final judgment where God will exalt those who have trusted in him and bring them up and, and then bring low those who refused him and speak arrogantly and don't turn to him and don't trust to him so in the midst of this crisis my um, encouragement for us is to turn to the Lord for our salvation not just temporary for temporary relief though he is our source for that but ultimately for our re- eternal hope even if this this world all the things in my life were to be removed do I have hope in, in the Lord that that will last for an eternity? Mr. Jones any any final thoughts as we wrap up that devotion?
1: Not right now. Uh maybe some here at, here at the end after we talk about a few more things, but not right now. It's very well very well said and and um again
0: encouraging. Yeah, I, I was encouraged by this uh and that's why I wanted to share it. So um I look forward to being able to do this more in the future just opening up God's word and and working through a passage. Well, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, there was this bombshell news. Although I, I call it bombshell, I don't know that it, it was really unexpected. Um, I, I, I I fully expected them to make this call. Uh, but just a little news blurb uh, that I saw on the Internet about this announcement. Governor Greg Abbott announced Friday that public and private school classrooms will remain closed for the remainder of the school year to avoid quickening the spread of COVID-19, the disease caused by the new coronavirus that news affects us, uh, quite a bit. My wife, when she heard it, um, she knew exactly that meant that what we're doing is going to continue to the end of the year. Um, and I just thought it might be helpful, uh, one to hear from, from you on, on what that might mean for our school and, and any kind of updates we, we might want to know.
1: I I can, I can say a few things, um, just as introductory remarks before we Talk about what that means for the school year. I mean, you, you you described it as a, um, as a bombshell, and it's not in the sense that probably we could have predicted that that news was certainly likely to come, mm-hmm. uh, and yet it is a bombshell in the sense that our sincere and earnest hope was that that wouldn't come. Uh, I I look forward to seeing our teachers again. I look forward to seeing our students again. I look forward to the normal day-to-day interactions that we've become accustomed to in the life of our school Uh, and so there's a sense in which this is very sad news I mean we we come to the you know these remarks here with with heavy hearts because we we want to see one another and I think particularly for example of our seniors who are going to be graduating from our school not having had the opportunity to say a proper goodbye to their classmates and their teachers and all of those kinds of things and so uh, you've got students that are promoting from one grade to the next, some students that are promoting from the grammar school to the upper school, not having the opportunity to say the kind of goodbyes you would you would customarily be able to to say. And so those things are sad and, and not having those opportunities is is sad. Um, So so it is a bombshell in that sense. Yeah. And
0: as a teacher, I mean, it's it's just not the same teaching to a camera than teaching to to faces. And right. Uh, definitely miss, miss my students doing our zoom calls. Um, I see the students faces light up. I don't know if they can see mine light up, but I get so excited to be able to see the students and interact with them. Um, and we, we miss that. So, um, I, I definitely feel what you're talking about there.
1: Yeah. Well, if you like, I can just kind of run through a quick bullet list of, of implications. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be helpful. Okay. Um, you, you said that Your wife's interpretation was that that news meant we were going to continue doing what we're doing. And so that's that's bullet point one is that now the day to day, instead of going back to what we're accustomed to, is going to is going to stay like it is now. And so, uh, you know, parents can basically parents and students and teachers can can expect the same type of uh, delivery of content that we've been doing up until this point. I would just say
0: be encouraged to continue on in the hard work. I know it's hard work. It is. Um,
1: there is a finish line, but don't lose heart. What we need to do is do our best work today, and then tomorrow we're going to wake up and do our best work. And uh, if we do that, it's not going to happen very many times before May 22nd rolls around, which is our finish line. It was the finish line before. It's still the finish line. We're going to finish school May 22nd. That's when report cards are going to come out, and uh, and that will be – the end of the road in terms of school year 2019-2020. So what does that mean for things like final exams for upper school students? Well, um, we're not going to have final exams in the sense that we've got this separate category of grades that are that are 16% of your grade. I just, I just don't think that's wise to do um, given the circumstances we are in. However, that what that does not mean is that upper school students will not be taking exams they're still going to be assessments There's still going to be exams and assessments on the things that they're learning it's just that from a category standpoint that's going to be folded in with their quarter four grade and not a separate category of its own called final exams um, so before students are tempted too much to rejoice over no exams the exams that there will be exams there will be assessments uh it's just gonna be categorized under their normal quarter four grade. Standardized tests are going to have to be postponed or altered or maybe in some cases even canceled. And and the reason I list out all those options is it kind of depends on the grade level of the student. So more more information will be coming out about standardized testing. Um, but obviously there are gonna have to be some changes there. Graduation is another thing that comes to mind. Um I know As of the last time I talked to our seniors and their families, uh, the desire was for a actual physical graduation where they invite family and walk across the stage and all those kinds of things. And so the plan tentatively is to postpone graduation, maybe until the summer where we have an opportunity to to do that. There will be end of year procedures where students need to pick up materials and all those kinds of things. Obviously, we're going to have to sort that out. That may happen during the summer as well. I don't know. I uh, think about end-of-year festivities like the end-of-year chapel, field day, and all those kinds of things. Um, may well be that we try to do a virtual end-of-year chapel. Maybe that's one large Zoom meeting. I don't know exactly what that would look like, uh, but I would like for us to do something uh, as far as that's concerned.
0: Yeah, I, I had a question. If if they allow churches to start meeting by May 22nd, would that not be just like a, a church service level of an event
1: potentially and and that's definitely something we can look
0: into so it might it might we might have some more freedoms by the time may 22nd rolls
1: around yeah that's true that that we don't really foresee right now that's true so um obviously we can't do field day but what i would like for us to do is to find some type of fun activities that we're able to do the last week of school and i know our teachers are, are creative enough and uh love our kids enough to to be able to plan some things like that that we might be able to do and then, additionally, you know, we've we've issued the Build Something with Your Hands challenge, which I know a lot of students have taken us up on. I've I've seen pictures of or heard about several different projects that I'm excited to see. And so, those presentations uh, will will be something that we do over the last couple of weeks of school as well. So that'll be a lot of fun, and students will be able to see what one other have built. and I and I would say, still, if you have not started that challenge, it's definitely not too late. If you want to build something. Uh, look at that email that we sent out, and and the kind of the guidelines for it, and and build something, and take take part in that because it's going to be fun to present those. That'll be a way that you can see your classmates and the work that they've done over the end of the year. And so, you know, that's that, there's a sense in which it's this news means for us what it means for every other school. Yet, uh, the unique personality and and community and and things like that of our school are still going to be able to come out. Are, are, Teachers still are who they are and um so I'm sure there will be some unique features to what we do as well, uh that, that may be different from, from some other schools. So Yeah,
0: I'm I'm always encouraged by our, our staff and the ideas they come up with and and also our student body, they they have some good ideas as well. Right. So I I'm really excited about the uh, build something with your hands results. Yeah. Um if you haven't started on that, do it. I would love to see what you can
1: create. Yep. Let's see it. Yep. So th- those are the things I would say, and then, and then just by way of encouragement, um, the the verses that you shared with us today are are outstanding along those lines, and and I think uh, Psalm twenty seven one is appropriate, which says, "The Lord is my light and my salvation; whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life; of whom shall I be afraid?" So if we th- if we think back to v- verses 6 through 8 of the passage that you read, you see this up and down and the Lord giving life and the Lord taking away life and the Lord raising up and the Lord laying low. And then you see in verses 9 and 10, that's headed somewhere. That that's headed in a particular direction. There's salvation to come, there's hope to come. It's one of the beautiful things about the Christian worldview is that it's linear. It's headed somewhere. We are here for a time. We are sojourners on this earth for a time. We are promised earthly life is going to be fraught with difficulty, and yet we're also promised that it's headed in a direction and the Lord is taking us somewhere and that he's going to reign supreme and, and put an end to all of those things. Uh, and and so man, what what great hope we have as believers to know all of those things, all of the truths of the of the. Of Scripture of the Christian worldview, uh, should produce hope in us. Should produce joy in us. And so, yes, there is sorrow in not being able to meet together again. There is sorrow in the ways in which this virus has laid people low physically. There's sorrow in in the ways in which this virus has laid people low financially. And yet, as we read these passages that we've we've just read, we understand there's a purpose behind it. It's temporary, and f- and for the believer there's hope in it and and hope we shall and the lord tarries and and it's his desire Founders Christian School we'll meet again meet meet again together even if it's for next school year you know um, we look forward to that it'll be, our, our reunion will be sweet when we're able to gather back together as a school it will be a sweet time and it will be all the sweeter because of the ways we've missed one another between now and then absolutely
0: great conversation thanks for the update on on the school and just a reminder to you all if you have questions you want us to address send those in the questions at founderschristian.org and uh, that's not just for parents so if students have things that they would like us to talk about whether it's theological whether it's practical um, let us know and we'd love to talk about those on the podcast well it's that time for our dad joke of the day with dan baker so mr baker what do you have for us today?
1: What's the best part about living in Switzerland? I don't know. I don't know either, but the flag is a big plus. (laughs) It is quite literally a big plus. Quite literally.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Dan. I know um, I even heard again this week how much people love listening to those dad jokes. Yeah, I heard again that people just fast forward the podcast to get to the dad joke. Yeah. Uh, at the end of this series of podcasts, whenever our our season's up, we're going to have to do a dad joke compilation, where it's just dad joke after dad joke after dad joke. Yeah. Biggest biggest hits on the views, I'm sure. I can't wait. Yeah. All right, well, that's it for this week. Y'all have a great week.